not to follow the example of the Pharisees who seek to exalt themselves rather than to be humble. Point number one, Jesus encourages the crowd and especially his disciples not to imitate the Pharisees. Notice verse three. Well, starting at verse one. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe what they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Jesus now turns his attention to the crowd and to the disciples. He says in verse 1, Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples. He had been directly addressing the Pharisees. Soon, Jesus once again will address the Pharisees and denounce them very strongly, starting in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He warns the scribes and Pharisees that difficult days are coming for them. But now he's speaking to his disciples. Jesus tells the people and his disciples that the Pharisees occupied a very important place in Jewish society as teachers of the word of God and as rulers over God's people. Matthew 23, verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. They sit on Moses' seat. It refers to the Old Testament when Moses would sit down and judge the people. They would come to Moses looking for the dispensing of justice. They were judges of the nation of Israel. These Pharisees, many of them, members of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish court of law, they were also the primary teachers of the word of God. And so they were to be respected for their position. And they were to be submitted to in their authority. Verse 3. So do and observe what they tell you. Listen to their judgments, their findings. So the disciples were to submit themselves to the authority of the temple leaders, including the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus himself submitted himself to the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, even though he was innocently condemned, even though the trial was a mockery, even though injustice was a result, Jesus nonetheless submitted himself to these very same Jewish leaders who were plotting his death. He said to his disciples, observe and do what they say. However, the disciples were not to pattern their lives after the Pharisees. Notice verse 3. But not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. You may have heard the adage, do as I say, not as I do. Here were prime examples of people that you should not do as they did. 
The scripture warns about being a teacher of the word of God. It teaches us that a person who's going to teach the word of God is held to a higher accountability. James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We are held to a greater accountability by people. People are going to want us to practice what we preach, and we're held to a higher accountability before God. God's going to require that we live lives that are pleasing and acceptable to him. But we're not talking about inconsistencies here. You see, the scripture warns that none of us are sinless. None of us ever fully practice what we preach. You can always find inconsistencies. You can always find fault. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are grossly insincere in what they preach and teach. Put it succinctly, the Pharisees were hypocrites. They intentionally, key word, they intentionally taught one thing and did the opposite. The Pharisees were hypocrites. Jesus will refer to the Pharisees as hypocrites six times in this passage. Look, Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. Verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. Guess what Jesus thought of these scribes and Pharisees? He thought they were hypocrites. People who intentionally say one thing and do another. So Jesus said, don't be like them. Listen. Observe but don't practice their lifestyle. Jesus provides specific examples of how the Pharisees are not to be imitated. They are not to be imitated because they are seeking to exalt themselves rather than to exalt God. The Pharisees are not to be imitated because they do not have a spiritual concern for their followers. Verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the people's shoulders. The Pharisees were extremely demanding in their religious practices. However, they were not willing to provide any true spiritual help. Notice the end of verse 4. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They're not willing to put forth one iota of help in ministering to people's needs. Let's just think of one 
example of how this is true. And we see here also the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Just a few chapters ahead. Realize that the account we are reading happens in the afternoon that this passage is taking place. This happens right after Jesus announces that these people are hypocrites and don't be like them. Immediately upon that, Matthew 26, 14, then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him, that is Jesus, over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. Jump now to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Jesus, in the intervening period, is tried, he's arrested. Well, let's go back. He's betrayed by Judas. He is tried, he's arrested, he's tried, and he's going to be condemned. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Now notice what they say. The chief priests were not concerned for Judas in the least. They said in verse 4, what is that to us? Why are you telling us this? Why are you coming and saying that you changed your mind? Why are you bringing us these 30 pieces of silver? What does your guilt have to do with us? Answer everything. Not only had Judas sinned, they had sinned. They knowingly paid 30 pieces of silver in order for Jesus to have been betrayed. But the Jewish priests, who were supposed to be the mediators between God and man, the Jewish priests, who were supposed to bring people into right relationship with God, notice what they said in the end of verse 4. See to it yourself. They did not seek to help Judas repent. They didn't seek to help Judas obtain forgiveness. They did not seek help Judas spiritually. They said, what's this got to do with us? You go and you take care of your guilt and your wrongdoing. Verse 5. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. Getting no spiritual relief. He goes and he hangs himself. But now, notice the Pharisees' hypocrisy. Verse 6. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it's blood money. Judas brought us these 30 pieces of silver. What are we going to do with this? Well, we can't use it for the Lord's work. 
Because this was money that was used to buy the death of an innocent man. So what are we going to do? Hypocrisy. They didn't have any problem taking the 30 pieces of silver from the temple treasury and use it to bring about the death of an innocent man. But now they say, oh, we're too holy. We can't take these 30 pieces of silver now and use them in the temple. That would be wrong. As though everything else was right. No, we can't do that. And so they went out and they bought a field uh, and uh, used it in that fashion. They were hypocrites. They said one thing and they did another. The Pharisees are not to be imitated because they are only interested in appearing to be spiritual rather than actually being spiritual. The Pharisees were not sincere in their faith, but insincere. Verse 5, now I'm back to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. The Pharisees flaunted their spirituality. They wanted to look good. They wanted to be viewed good as by the people. But inwardly, they could care less about really being acceptable to God. So two examples are given of how they flaunt their spirituality. Matthew 23, 5. First, for they make their phylacteries broad. Phylacteries were small boxes that contained small portions of the scripture that were worn as a symbol of dedication to the word of God. They were symbolic in nature. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be frontlets before your eyes. These phylacteries were signs. They were just little boxes that would be worn just a little piece of the law to say that this person is dedicated to the word of God. Scripture says, you make these things huge. This big box so that nobody can miss it. Okay, everybody can see. Now there's somebody who's dedicated to the word of God. No small phylactery for this person. They are really, really dedicated. The fringes were made long, it says in verse 5. The fringes refer to tassels on their garments that were to remind the individual of the importance of the wholehearted following of the word of God. Again, it comes from the Old Testament practice, Numbers 15 and following. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you were inclined to do. So you shall remember and do all the commandments and be holy to your God. The reason for these tassels was to be a reminder of the importance of obeying the commands of God. So they made them extra long. 
so that everybody could see how long these tassels were because they wanted to be reminded of the importance of obeying the word of God. Jesus says, you're hypocrites. You aren't concerned about obeying the word of God. You're doing this so that people will look at you and pat you on the back. The Pharisees are not to be imitated because they were seeking public recognition for their accomplishments. Accomplishments. They were exalting themselves. Notice verse 6. And they loved the place of honor at feasts and seats in the synagogues. They wanted a fuss to be made over them. They wanted to be singled out for their teaching prowess. Notice verse 7. And greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. A rabbi, a rabbi means teacher. It was a, it was a great honor to be called a rabbi. It meant great distinction. It was a term that was used to speak of prowess in teaching the word of God. Rabbi means nothing to us. The best way to bring that over into our culture would be to think of the term or title doctor. Doctor. Doctor so-and-so. A person who is a great teacher, learned in the scriptures. However, these Pharisees weren't interested really in studying the scriptures for themselves, but in order to gain recognition for from others, to gain recognition from others. They wanted the title, but they weren't concerned with the reality of it. It's interesting in our culture in our day, we have what is referred to as an honorary doctorate. You know what an honorary doctorate is? That is a title that is bestowed upon an individual who hasn't done any of the academic work to obtain a doctoral degree. They haven't gone through the many years of study, of acumen, etc. There are no academic requirements at all for an honorary doctorate. A title that's given to make people seem to be something that they're not. An education that they don't have. It is amazing. It really is amazing how many of the Christian leaders and teachers have honorary doctorates. Most people don't even realize that. But the vast majority of the popular preachers, teachers, are honorary doctorates. They want to have the prestige without doing the work. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't seek to bring honor to yourself by being called rabbi. Thirdly, 
Jesus contrasts the way that the Pharisees exalt themselves with the way that we are to humble ourselves. The Pharisees exalt themselves in wanting to be called doctor, and we should humble ourselves in not wanting to be called doctor. Notice Matthew chapter 23, verse 8. But you, now the emphasis changes. It was about them, and now it's about you, about the crowd and especially the disciples. You don't be like them. He first says what we're not to be like, Now he tells us what we are to be like. But you, verse 8, you are not to be called rabbi. You are not to be called doctor. For you have one teacher and you're all brothers. Now let me stop here and say that these next three verses are not meant to be absolutes. One is going to say, don't be called father. These are not meant to be absolutes. There's nothing wrong in calling a person doctor if they've earned their doctorate. That's not what is being addressed here. But what is being addressed is the idea of an authority figure. The idea of an authority figure. We use the term, okay? Uh, Let's say we're in a doctor's office and uh, uh, we're sitting there and they prescribe some kind of medication for us or some kind of uh, regimen that we are to enter into or diet that we're supposed to have. And we might say something like, well, you're the doctor. Meaning, well, you're the authority. I'll do what you say. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that in the medical field. But the point that is being made here is that Among the people of God, the authority is to be the word of God, not the individual. People use the title in order to gain authority for themselves. But in the spiritual realm, things would be different. A preacher's or teacher's authority is a derived authority. The authority that we have is not the education that we possess It is not the title behind the name. The authority is the scripture. The preacher can't preach anything on his own authority. The preacher can't come and tell you what he thinks or what he would like you to do or what his preference is. It is the preacher's responsibility to open and declare the word of God. That is the authority. And... If what he says does not coincide with the scriptures, you are to reject it. For the authority is the scripture, not the man, and not the title. But even in Christendom, there is a tendency, rather than to quote scripture, to quote doctors, learned men, professors, theologians. And the arguments are made upon what people say and think rather than what the word of God says and demands. So we are not to take the place of authority, but rather give the authority to God. Secondly, we should not exalt ourselves, but humble ourselves in directing people to God's provision and not our own. Verse 9. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. 
Again, not an absolute. We're not talking here about, you know, if you have a child, you better call you daddy and not father. Okay, that's, that's, not, what, that's not where this is headed. It has nothing to do with that. Okay? The idea here is that a father is a provider, a protector, and a progenitor. Right? That's where you come from, your father's loins. And we are to be careful that in exalting ourselves, this is all about exalting ourselves, okay? How we exalt ourselves, by making ourselves an authority. We exalt ourselves by presenting ourselves as the provider or as the protector rather than God. Again, not an absolute. Paul calls Timothy a son in the Lord in 1 Timothy 1-2. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. But by and large, we're to be considered on the same spiritual plane as others. And so in the verse before, it says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the terminology we try to use. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, because we are on the same plane. You are not to be called father. Okay? It is like... In the Catholic Church, it is commonplace to refer to the priest as father and the father, the priest, to refer to his congregants as children. Bless you, my child. It's inappropriate in the sense that it diminishes the fatherhood of God in the sense that he is the ultimate one that we are to be looking to. It's not the priest. He can't provide us with forgiveness. He can't provide us with protection. He can't provide us with the ultimate wisdom. It is only God who can do that. And man should not seek to elevate themselves in a place of prominence and prestige that robs God of a place that belongs only to him. We are to seek to exalt God and not ourselves in all of life's instruction. Notice verse 10. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Christ is the head of the church. He always must be understood as being the head of the church. That means all authority in the church comes under him. Elders can't decide anything they want to decide. Elders don't just get to sit around and make rules. Elders must make decisions based on the word of God because Christ is the head of the church. You can't usurp that position. You can't take upon yourself a responsibility that you don't possess. We are under shepherds. We are under teachers. We are under his authority. And we constantly are to point to his authority when we make any decisions, when we make any applications, when we are instructing people on how to live our lives. We're not saying, 
simply be followers of me, but as Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Christ. There's a world of difference. Pointing to Christ. So as Christians, we should exalt the Lord and humble ourselves. As Christ's disciples, we are to hold in high esteem those who serve others as opposed to those who are self-serving. Matthew 23, 11, The greatest among you shall be your servant. In the Old Testament, the title was given to the Messiah as the suffering servant. In Isaiah 53, I won't go through that for sake of time. In the New Testament, Jesus is highly exalted because he is the humble servant. Listen to these words. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He took on the role of a servant in becoming man, being born in the likeness of man. And then, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself to serve others. Jesus humbled himself to die on the cross. That's the kind of leaders we are to look for. How different the church is than the world. The world prizes leaders that exalt themselves. People who stand up and say, look what I have done. Look at my accomplishments. Look at my businesses. Look at my wealth. Look at who I am. Look at what I can do. Follow me. I will be your deliverer. I will help you. I will keep you safe. I will make you rich. I will watch over you. I will protect you. I can do it. That's what our world leaders say. And that's who the world looks for. Jesus said it's not to be that way among us. The greatest is to be the humble. The greatest is to be the weak. Tells us in verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be Humbled. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. These scribes and Pharisees are exalting themselves. They're going to be humbled. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They're going to be brought low. This process 
is going to begin in just a few moments. For notice verse 13, the next verse. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you. Here's the warning. Your day is coming. Woe to you, verse 13. Woe to you, verse 15. Woe to you, verse 23. Woe to you, verse 25. Woe to you, verse 27. He is telling the scribes and Pharisees, you are not going to get away with it. This very afternoon, they are going to pay Judas to betray Jesus. They are hypocrites. They're going to make a mock trial. They are intentionally going to hire false witnesses. These very people that say, thou shalt not bear false witness, are going to go out and intentionally pay people to lie about what Jesus said concerning himself. They are intentionally, knowingly, going to put an innocent man to death. And they are going to gleefully celebrate and believe that they have gotten the best of Jesus. For they have gotten their way. Jesus is dead. He's hanging on a cross. They view themselves as victors, once again ready to rule the temple. But only to find that the veil in the temple is rent. In a brief 70 years, that temple is going to be ultimately and fully destroyed. No more sacrifices being offered. No more priestly function. Their day of judgment is coming. And the final day of judgment is still to come. When they stand before an almighty God. So Jesus warns them seven times. Woe to you. Woe to you. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Your day's coming. He looks and says to his disciples, don't be like them. Don't be like them. You have to honor them because of the position that they have. You have to submit to them because they sit in Moses' seat. They are your leaders. They are your judges. They are going to enforce the law. But don't be like them. Don't admire them. Don't look up to them. Don't respect them as individuals. Recognize that you are not to be like that. We have to show respect to our governmental leaders. But when they don't act in an appropriate fashion, we don't respect them as individuals. We respect them for their office. But we don't want to be like them in their individual lives. We need to be careful. We need to be careful in the church, and the church doesn't become like the world. It's not about exalting ourselves. It's about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about 
wanting to draw attention to ourselves. It's about wanting to draw attention to him. It's not about trying to exert our authority, but to exert his authority. It's not about us teaching our desires and making things function as the way we would have them to function, but to be sure that Christ's desires are being followed and things are being done, done decently in order as he would have us to do them. May God give us the grace and ability to be people of humility. Christ is our ultimate role model. Christ was and is the servant king. We should always be focusing our attention upon him. Not our own accomplishments, not our own successes, not seeking to be praised and acknowledged before men, but seeking that he would be praised, he'd be glorified, he'd be seen as the ultimate teacher, as the ultimate father, the ultimate protector, the ultimate everything in our lives. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to exalt the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to realize that there are many, 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 many that would love us to simply be followers of them rather than followers of Christ, that hold themselves up to be some kind of authority, to hold themselves up as being superior, and that they are worthy of such great respect and honor and praise, and so desperately want it from mankind. But, O Lord, help us to want to give honor and glory to you and to you alone. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and thy truth's sake. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.